Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. So how many of you can't stand, just be honest, honest is, I believe church should be one of the safest places to be honest about anything. How many of you can't stand when you're told you can't do something. Come on, just raise your hand if that's you. You can't stand it when somebody says, you can't do that. I know, hey, I'm raising my hand, it's good. Look at all the people around here and here, you know, that that's you. Yeah, I'm exactly the same way. Like for generations, young men specifically have been going to emergency rooms and jail for that very reason. Where somebody, it all started with this one conversation where it's like, you can't do that. You know, and then it ended up that YouTube videos are famous right now that started with that. And, um, you know, like in fact, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm wired the exact same way. Like, I can't stand it. It's actually one of the best ways to get me to do something. It's kind of like that reverse psychology. Just tell me I can't do something and then I want to do it. And so, like, and it reminds me, that reminds me of a story that I heard recently of this, this, this sweet older married couple named Walter and Ethel that went on vacation. They saved up all their money, and it was actually, in their minds, one of the last vacations they were ever going to take, this, this beautiful, sweet, retired couple. And they go on this vacation, and they saved money for such a long time, and Ethel was actually in charge of all the finances of it and saved and made sure that every single nickel and penny were, were really set aside, and they knew exactly what was going to happen with every single dollar. And while they were on vacation, they stumbled across some helicopter rides. And something inside of Walter, it was like, I've got to do this. This looks so fun. I would love to go on this helicopter ride. But Ethel was so sweet and just said, listen, honey, I know that you'd like to do that, but we budgeted every single dollar and we just don't have the money. $50 is $50. But Walter was not going down without a fight. He was like, no, 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 no. Like, listen, this may be my only shot to go on this helicopter ride and I have to do it. I would love to be able to go on this ride. Is there any way that we can make it happen? She goes, honey, I'm so sorry, but we can't do it. $50 is $50. The helicopter pilot actually overheard this conversation, interrupts him, and says, listen, folks, I'm, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I couldn't help but overhear your conversation, and I'll make a deal with you. I'll actually not charge you a dime. I'll give it to you completely for free, take you up on the helicopter ride. You don't have to give me anything. But if you say one word, if you make one sound, you'll have to pay full price. And then he said this, but I don't think you could do it. Listen, church, something welled up inside of them and was like, no, 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 like we can do this. Okay, we can do this. So they psyched themselves up. They got in the helicopter, and this pilot did every trick and maneuver that he could possibly do. But to his surprise, not one sound. Didn't hear one word. Gets done with the thing, lands the plane, looks back at Walter and says, Walter, man, I got to give it to you. I didn't think that there was any way that it was possible for you to do that. And Walter said, well... I almost said something when Ethel fell out. <laughs> but $50 is $50. <laughs> oh, you know. I don't care who you are, that's funny, you know. <laughs> and in our story today, David in 1 Samuel chapter 17 experienced people telling him what he couldn't do. You know, you can't face Goliath. It's impossible. 
He's too big. You're too small. There's no way that you can go up against that giant. But David had the faith to face a giant. And here's the truth, church. There's going to be times where you and I need that same type of faith. When we're up against a giant, when we're up against something that's bigger than us, when we're up against something that people look at and they're like, how in the world can you do that? When you're up against something that feels so much bigger than you, or maybe when you're up against something and you're trying to do something and people don't quite get it, people don't quite understand In that moment, on that day, you're going to need the faith to face a giant. And so this is for me something that I'm so passionate about when it comes to church. Is I love this. I love church. I love it. But, you know, there's so many times where I sit in church and I'm like, that's awesome. I want that. Tell me how. Because I'm a big believer that our Sundays should always affect our Mondays. Always. And so, listen, for the rest of our time, what I would love to do is to be able to say how. Because I think this story tells us exactly how to have that type of faith, how to have the faith to, to face a giant. That when you're, when you're up against any problem, any, any opposition, any temptation, any crisis, that you could have this faith to face a giant. So let me give you three things taken directly from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here's the first one. The very first step, the very first thing you need to do is to embrace a holy discontent. To embrace a holy discontent. And here's my simple definition of a holy discontent. It's a divine burden given to you by God. In other words, it's something that fires you up. But it's not just something that fires you up. It's something that fires you up that God put on the inside of you to fire you up. It's something that you can't shake, even if you wanted to. It's something that makes you say, I just can't sit by anymore and let this happen. Somebody has to do something, and it might as well be me. It's your Popeye moment. Come on. How many, how many grew up watching a little Popeye from time to time? Yeah. Okay. Some of young people are like, what is that? YouTube it. YouTube it. Okay. I think it's on there. Old cartoon, same storyline, every single show. Every single one. And so Popeye has his girl, olive oil, and then something happens in there, and he stands up, and he says, I've had all I can stands, and I can't stands no more. And he pops his spinach, eats it, gets jacked, and saves his girl. Every single episode. Just so you know, it's coming. But it's your Popeye moment. That holy discontent it says, I've had all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. And so for David in our story, It was a giant that over and over and over again for 40 days, twice a day, over and over again, defied and he taunted the people of God. And listen, listen to David's holy discontent. Here's where it is. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. Here's where everything changed, where David asked, who is this guy? Who is this guy anyway that he is allowed? Who is letting him do this? Who's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And David said, this isn't right. I've got to do something about this. So what about you? What's your holy discontent? What's your divine burden? What fires you up? What can't you seem to shake? Because here's why it's so important. Because your divine burden often reveals your divine direction. In other words, it's like this holy discontent that God gives you is this flashing neon sign in your life of God saying, this is what you should do. This is where you should go. This is where you should serve. 
that it, it comes down to the fact of where God is saying, this is it. This is what I put on the inside of you. For some of you, it maybe you have this burden for single moms. And they're so, like, you just can't shake it. You pray for them all the time and you think about them and it's, maybe for some of you it's children with special needs or maybe for some of you it's people that are in this city that don't know Jesus. And you can't seem to shake it. And you pray for it and you look for opportunities to share your faith and maybe it's that. Maybe it's racial reconciliation. Maybe it's healthy marriages. Maybe it's helping people get out of debt. Maybe for some of you, you've overcome addiction in your life. And you know what it's like to be bound up and be addicted to drugs and alcohol or other substance. And you know what that's like, but you have experienced freedom. And all you want to do is help people go through the same process. And you can't think of a better way to kick the enemy in the teeth than to flip that on him and to help other people. See, maybe some of you can't shake the thought of kids that are in San Francisco. Kids that go to bed every single night not knowing where they're going to sleep. Or not knowing if they're going to have enough food in their stomachs. And you can't shake it. And there's something inside of you that says, this isn't right. Some of you, maybe you have a passion for the marketplace. And God's given you ability to be able to, to really affect change in business. And you want to see the principles of God's word influence the marketplace. See, for me, my holy discontent, my divine burden. Over four years ago, God started speaking to me about planting a church. And it's something I couldn't shake. And trust me, I tried. I didn't, like I tell people all the time, I, I, I don't, I don't, a lot of times I don't want this. I don't need it for sure. But I couldn't shake it. In fact, this, uh, my, my wife hates it when I say this, but it's the most accurate way. I'm, I promise I'm not trying to be funny. But I, like, the, the most accurate way I can describe it, I felt like I got pregnant. <laughs> it's like I couldn't ignore it. And it just kept getting bigger, you know. And that's what it felt. And um, the more we prayed and the more we processed with God, the more God gave us a supernatural love for Cincinnati. It's a beautiful city. If you've never been there, it's, a, it's an amazing city. San Francisco is awesome. It's beautiful. Um, but our city's awesome too. And it's beautiful. <laughs> um, but it's also a broken city. And if you study spiritually, you'll see things like 34% of people in the city are unchurched or far from God. But specifically, the next generation is very far from God. 52% of people that are uh, under the age of 40 are unchurched. Of people that are in church, only 9% are considered millennials, that 18 to 32. But that's just the spiritual stats. If you study the, the social stats of the city, you'll see some things that are absolutely heartbreaking. You'll see things like one out of three people live below the poverty line in my city. That when you see that, there's, if you dig even a little bit deeper, you see 45% of children in the city live below the poverty line. Crime rate that three times the national average. You see a massive heroin addiction epidemic, the biggest in the country. In fact, somebody on our launch team called me yesterday that one of their cousins OD'd yesterday in Cincinnati. And when you see that, you see this brokenness. You see that it's the, one the, it's the fifth most segregated city in the United States. And when you see that brokenness, there should be something inside of you that's like, man, it makes me sad. But there's also a part that, yes, it breaks my heart, but it also stiffens my spine. Because for me, here's what I know with all my heart. And it's more than just a cliche. It's more than just something that is something that is good to be tweeted. I believe with all my heart more than I ever have been before that the local church is the hope of the world.
more specifically, that the local church is the hope of Cincinnati. And when I look at this city, that the local church is the hope of San Francisco. And I believe with all my heart that the gospel is the answer to every single one of those brokenness and the stat and the statistics that literally the gospel can work anywhere. That if I come here, my heart is so encouraged that when I see what God's doing over this last year of faithfulness in this church, I get so fired up for what? Because I know because if the gospel works in San Francisco, I know it's going to work in Cincinnati. And that the way to flip those numbers on its head is a life-giving church that has the message of the gospel. And I know it. And when I see that, there's something inside of us that just said, this isn't right. We've got to do something about it. And so for us, that was our holy discontent. So if you want to have the faith to face a giant, it starts with embracing a holy discontent. And then, here's number two, is this. Just take the first step. Not all of them. You don't have to get to the finish line, but you do have to take the first one. Take the first step. Listen to David's first step in verse 32. It says, he says this, don't worry about this giant. David told Saul the king, I'll go fight him. See, David's first step was simply having the courage to raise his hand and say, yes, I'll go fight. When nobody else will, I will. That was his first step. He didn't have everything figured out. He didn't know all the details of how everything was going to play out. But such a small step led to such a big result. And I'm here to tell you that here's one of my favorite verses when it comes to this. In, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, it says, do not despise these small beginnings. In other words, don't despise the first step. Don't despise being in James Lick Middle School. Don't despise that first year. Don't despise these small beginnings. Why? For the Lord rejoices to see the work, not finish, begin. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Never despise these small beginnings, these first steps. Why? Because God rejoices when the work starts. And here's the way that I can prove it. Have you ever seen a parent? Whenever their kid takes their first step. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, like we did it. And like you could be the most dignified, proper, put together, always, you know, prim and proper. And you, you always are calm, cool, and collected. But when your kid or your grandbaby takes that first step, you go absolutely nuts. You know, you freak out. You know, you, you, if nobody's around to actually capture it and put it on social media, you shove the kid down just so you can get your phone long enough to do that. Because if it didn't happen on social media, did it even really happen? Let's be honest, you know. And so you gather everybody around, come look, come look at my child who's going to do something that literally they will do millions and millions of times the rest of their life. And we go nuts. You know, why? Because Parents love when their kids take first steps. Listen, church, God loves when his kids take first steps. That when you take your first, like what I call the drunken Frankenstein, you know, when you do that spiritually, like that, when you go and do that. God's, and I want you to imagine his view from heaven. I want you to imagine when God's looked down on you and he put something in your heart. He did that. 
and he put it deep in your heart and he's spoken to you about it. And it's been maybe a long time or months and, and maybe some years and you finally start to do it. Imagine his view when he's like, gather around. Come on, look, look, they're doing it. They're doing it. Look, the layers, look, the family, look, they're taking, they're moving. They're doing, they're meeting people. They're having coffee with people and telling them about the church. Oh, my goodness. The first step. See, God loves when his kids take the first steps. And everything big starts with the first step. But for so many people, it's the start that actually stops them. But I've come to learn that you will never finish something you don't start. And so maybe God is calling you today to start a new job, take a step of faith or a new business. Maybe for some of you it's to start ministry or to start school or to start getting physically healthy, exercising and eating right. Maybe it's to start counseling or to go to rehab to overcome an addiction. Maybe it's to get out of debt. Maybe it's to go to the next level here at this church to make this church not just you kicking the, maybe you're here, you've been kicking the tires a while. Maybe instead of it being a church in the city, it needs to become your church in the city. Maybe for some of you that the step that you need to take is like next week, growth track starts and it's the way to get plugged in here. It's the way to hear about the vision of the church and to figure out how can I join a team and to serve. Maybe some of you, you never, you've heard about this thing called growth track, but you've never done it. And so maybe next month is saying, you know what, I'm committing. I'm going in and I'm just going to see what this thing is about. Maybe for some of you, that's the step that you need to take. You saw the videos in a couple weeks, groups are about to start. Maybe for some of you, you've heard about it and you've heard, of, you, you've, what is this groups thing about? Maybe for some of you, just take a step and just be a part of that, of be, a part of, be a part of a group. Maybe for some of you, you've been in a group, maybe it's time for you to lead a group. Maybe some of you, it's to maybe start giving financially to the church. And maybe it's like, I'm just, I'm just going to take a little step. Maybe it's to, to serve and to go hang out with some of, the, some of the Sozo kids upstairs. And, uh, you know, like, I don't know. But I believe that every single one of us have a step to take. And you don't have to have the faith to finish. You just have to have the faith to start. You just have to have the faith to take the first step. But here is my warning. That here's what this first step is going to look like. Here's kind of the Surgeon General warning on the package of this message. That for you to take that first step, that what it's going to take is that when you actually take a step of faith, what you actually step over is fear. Is that when it comes down to it, and you actually take that first step, I promise you, you're going to have to step over fear. Maybe it's the fear of failure. I don't know how this is going to work out. It's the fear of the unknown. Maybe it's the fear of change. Maybe it's for some of you, it's the fear of making everybody happy. And listen, it's scary to step out in faith and to plant this church. There's times where I'm honestly paralyzed by fear. I don't know what to do. Like, all I know is that we need a lot of people, we need a lot of money, we need a whole lot of Jesus. And there's times where it's very, I mean, I'm talking about very scary to move my family and to take a step of faith. And God, I know you spoke this to me, but I need you desperately. I've never been more dependent upon God in my life. And I'm telling you, I love it. And um, it would be so much easier to do something else. But God didn't call me to do what's easy. He called me to be obedient. In fact, 
the biggest thing that I've learned throughout this whole process, and I know this is the heart of your pastor because we talked about it a lot, is that the biggest thing is that success is obedience, period. That it's my job and your job. It's not just a pastor's job, but it's every person that calls Jesus their Lord and Savior is to be so familiar with him, have such a close dynamic relationship with him, so close to him that we can hear his voice over all the loud noises of the world and just simply do what he tells us to do. If we do that, we're successful, period. That's it. And just let God handle the results. So if you're going to have to have the faith to face a giant, it starts with embracing a holy discontent. Then you have to take the first step. And then finally, and I'm telling you, this is, uh, I, I, before I give you this one, is it up there? No. Good. Don't, don't do it yet. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm from Middle Tennessee. That's where I grew up. I have a Middle Tennessee public school education. We're not first on any list, okay? Like, I know I'm in a place with a lot of educated, very smart people, and you're used to phenomenal theology from your pastors in here, okay? Uh, but I got to keep the cookies on the bottom shelf, you know what I'm saying? So, like, um, <laughs> so like when I give you this, you're going to be like, okay, like, <laughs> okay, so here it is, okay? First, you got to embrace your holy discontent, then you got to take your first step, and then number three, now you can put it up. Just keep taking steps. I get it. (laughs) But you have to start with just saying, yep, God, I know you put that in me. It fires me up, and you put it there. And I'm going to say yes. I'm going to embrace my holy discontent. And then as scary as it is, I've got to take the first step. And then after you take that first step, you just have to keep taking steps. And so listen to David's journey. David took his first step. He said yes. Then in verse 40 it says, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream. That's a step. And he put them into a shepherd's bag. That's another step. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he picked those things up. That was a step. He started across the valley to fight the Philistines. Step after step after step after step. And he just kept taking steps until he found himself face to face with the giant We know the rest. And so I felt so burdened today that there may be some people in this room and you've taken a big step of faith. You've already done the first step. You've embraced the holy discontent. You've made the move. You've changed jobs. You've said yes to something that maybe other people said was crazy. And you took that step. But maybe you're not where you thought you would be. now or let's just be honest maybe some of you thought I took this step and God I should be somewhere different than when I am right now and I'm not as far along as I thought I was I'm not getting the opportunities that I thought I was I'm not making as much money as I thought I was my life doesn't look as what I pictured it when I took that step and I just want to encourage if that's you and you know God put it in there just keep taking steps that God may not give you every single detail, but he'll always give you a next step to just figure out what's that next step. I ran a few marathons and like when I did that, I felt so defeated when I thought about the finish line, but I felt so much like I was winning when I just took the next step and then the next step and then the next step. And instead of feeling like a failure because I was so far away from where I thought I needed to be, 
it turned into me like encouraging myself and like, yes, I'm winning. And so I want to share this verse with you because I believe if that's you, if you fit into that mold, if I'm spe- if I'm just right now, just I'm just all up in your business. This is for you, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired of taking steps. Why? Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Listen, you don't have to have everything figured out right now. Just keep taking steps. You don't have to know every single detail or know how everything's going to play out. Just keep taking steps. Just don't quit. I love what Pastor Jay says. If you don't quit, you win. I introduced you to my family earlier. And when our oldest son, Jordan, was two years old, it was, the first, you know, it was our first kid, and uh, everything was going awesome. And then we started experiencing some developmental delays with our son. And you know, when it first started happening, we just thought, you know, like people would say stuff like, it's just the terrible twos, you know, it's a phase, he'll grow out of it. But he never did. In fact, the exact opposite happened. It just kept getting worse. And in fact, here's, here's a picture of, from around that time. Um, this picture right here, there's no picture that's more impactful for me than this picture, right? It's my favorite picture on planet Earth. Because how many of you know there's so many times we're right here in the middle of this season of our life. Man, it was a dumpster fire at our house. Our life was hard. But on social media, this got all the likes. That you can't believe everything that you see sometimes, that there's always something going on behind the scenes. But this picture, the reason why it means so much to me is right there in the middle of it, there was something about that young man's eyes in that picture that brought me hope, that I knew God had a plan for him. And... Um, So at first, we just thought it was a phase, but it just kept getting worse. And so we started exploring and trying to figure out what's going on and started taking the doctors. And then we ended up face-to-face with a doctor. And in a meeting with this doctor, we got an unexpected diagnosis that our oldest son was on the autism spectrum. And guys, immediately in one conversation, immediately, we were face-to-face with the giant. Something so much bigger than who we are, than what we knew to do. And I'm telling you, I was hit with, I'm talking about instantly, right there in that doctor's office, hit with more fear than I've ever had in my life. Paralyzing fear. I was hit with so much insecurity. Like, could, could we even be the parents that he needed us to be? And kind of that fear of the unknown, of not knowing what is this going to do? What is this going to impact in our life? What's it going to look like? But also right there in the moment, as much fear and insecurity and unknown that we were looking at, for some reason, we know that God gave us right there in that moment, this holy discontent. That we were not going to give up on our son. That we were going to give him and believe for a miracle. That we were going to give him whatever he needed to be able to have a healthy and whole life whatever, that if we could figure out, we would do it. And our answer was yes. 
And so we didn't know where to start. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know what therapies. We didn't know what diets. We didn't know what. Have you ever had those moments where you don't even know what to pray? Where you feel silly about even praying about that. And we had that moment. And we didn't know where to start. But God just opened up a door. And we started by taking a first step. And then after we took that step, we just looked for the next step. And then we just kept, we knew we were going in the right direction, but we just kept taking steps. Step after step after step. And I couldn't be more proud to say that over the last four years, what God has done is nothing short of a miracle in our little boy. That he's taken so many steps towards health and healing. In fact, right now, he is crushing first grade. Crushing first grade. And get this. Full general education, no special needs whatsoever. He has graduated from all of it. Yeah, we give God all the glory, all the praise. And listen, we believe that we may not be where we are, where we want to be fully, but we're just going to keep taking steps, and we believe that the best is yet to come for our little man. And I believe the same thing for you. We're just going to keep taking steps. So I'm here to tell you, church, that when you step out in faith, God will show up in power. Amen. If you would close your eyes and bow your head, every single person in here, just in this moment, I want to finish by telling you this, that while this story is about David, this story ultimately points to Jesus. That just like Goliath, the enemy says in this story, choose a man that will come down and fight me. If I win, I get them all. But if he wins, he gets them all. I imagine God and Satan had a conversation over 2,000 years ago that went something like this. Satan said, choose a man that will come down and fight me. If I win, I get them all. But if he wins, he gets them all. And God says, okay, I'll choose my son. I choose Jesus. And so God loved you and he loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth to die on a cross to pay for our sins, something that you and I can never do on our own. But here's the awesome thing. The story doesn't end there. That he was buried in a tomb and raised three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave just for the chance to have a relationship with you. But here's the cool thing. He gave you a choice and you still have to take that step. And so for some of you today, you need to take a step of faith to follow Jesus, to make the decision to get saved, to invite him into your heart, into your life, to give him full control of your life. And see, the theological term for that is repentance. It's often perceived as negative, but it's actually a beautiful word. It literally means you step away from your old life and you step towards a new life with God. And so today, if that's the step that you want to take, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And I just want to encourage you right there in your seat that you can pray this prayer. You can take that step of faith towards away from your old life and towards a new life with God. Just pray this in your heart. God, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you defeated death for me. And today I, I repent for my sin. I'll take a step towards you and I invite you into my heart I invite you into 100% of my life every single bit 
and I give you my life. And from this moment on, I'm going to follow you with everything that I have, everything for the rest of my life. It's not just today. It's not just a moment. It's the rest of my life. And then there's another group of people that I would love to pray for. And that if you're here and you know that over the last few minutes that God has spoken something to you and he stirred something in your heart and you know that there's a step that you need to take, that there's a step that you need to take in faith today. It may be your first step. It may be your next step. And if that's you and you know that God has spoken to you, I want to pray for you. And if that's you, just, just so I can see, who, who, like God spoke that to you. There's a step. There's something that you know you need to do. You just slip your hand up in the air just right now. Just let me see it. Awesome. 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 God, I thank you that you know every single person that just raised their hand, that you know the story, you know what that hand represents, you know the step of faith, you know the fear that it's going to take, you know all those things. And so, God, I pray for every single person. And I ask God with all my heart that you fill them right now with courage like they've never had before. Courage to take that step. God, that when the enemy tries to steal this word, as soon as they walk out of this place, that something inside it will be like, not today, not today. Fill them with courage. God, we rebuke every single fear that may be attached to whatever that story is with a hand up. And God, I just ask you give them courage, courage, not just wisdom to know what's right, but courage to do what's right. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for them setting the way for our church. God, I'm thankful for the investment. I'm thankful for the, the lives that have been changed. And God, I believe that as this church just keeps taking steps, that's, that this city will never be the same. And God, we thank you for calling us here at this place, at this time, in this season. And so God, we thank you for today. We love you. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.